Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. We are rapidly approaching the NFL postseason, and teams are starting to clinch. Teams are starting to get eliminated, and we are headed into Week 16 with a plethora of different scenarios that can happen that can get teams either in the playoffs or top draft picks, whatever whatever you want. It's going gonna, it's gonna to happen in Week 17. Just for an ex- example that we're going to get to in a second, the Giants, Matt, can win the division at six and ten, or <laughs> they can get the third seed, depending on how things happen if they lose to Dallas. So it's absolutely wild. It's probably going to be one of the crazier week 17s that we're going to have in recent memory. And one of the teams that is alive and well into week 17 because of a miracle finish out in Las Vegas is your Miami Dolphins. So a quick recap of the game that happened on Saturday. It feels like two months ago. I don't know about you. I know it, it, it does. So in Vegas, I, I can't even remember exactly how all the situ- all the events happened unfolded chronologically. Mm-hmm. Ravens had the lead. They the Dolphins pulled Tua, brought in Fitzpatrick for a spark. Dolphins took the lead. Raiders took the lead. Dolphins took the lead. Raiders took the lead. <laughs> and then on a face mask and a 50 yard throw down the sideline, the Dolphins pull it out, save their season. And they are a win against the bills away from making the playoffs, a bills team that doesn't have much to play for. We'll see what happens there in terms of mm-hmm. if Allen starts, if he does, how long will he play? If he plays the entire game, what have you, but the Miami Dolphins are really interesting going into week 17 for so many different reasons. One, because if they win, they're in. Two, because we don't know who they should start a quarterback, if they should have what they've been doing with kind of like using Fitzpatrick as a closer or a late inning reliever mm-hmm. to use a baseball term. And on top of all of that, they have the Texans draft pick so they can make the playoffs and have a top five pick in the NFL draft. You mm-hmm. Have your cake and eat it too. Some things <laughs> are saying that a lot of people say that you can't have the Dolphins yeah. are having it. So what is your analysis on your team right now? Because you have to be in a great spot right now if you're a Miami Dolphins fan. Yeah, like just so talking about everything all together first, and then we'll dive into each individually what you were talking about. Yeah, it, it is a very, very exciting time to be a Miami Dolphin fan. Never in my time as a fan, and I think anybody for the Dolphins for the most part, have we ever thought, have we ever been on the playoff machine on ESPN wondering how we're going to get into the playoffs and also doing mock drafts and have our projected uh, first first round pick slotted at the number three spot right now? I mean, those two end result of a season are basic or usually put it this way are two different spectrums of an NFL franchise. And we happen to be doing it all at once. It is the craziest thing to kind of experience. And I don't think people outside of me and you, cause we talk about it a lot are really grasping how insane that really is. Like imagine last year, uh, any team that made it uh, into the playoffs, say, or, or any 10 win team, now, all of a sudden, you give them the number three overall pick. I mean, that is pretty absurd. And not, not to mention they have their own first-round pick, too. That could be anywhere from in the uh, 20s and up if they make the playoffs or sub-20 if they don't make the playoffs. So it really is a crazy time to be a Dolphins fans, And nothing crazier, honestly, than the game against Vegas. And I'll run down as quickly as I can as far as the moments that happen. So... The, the whole game, the offense is just very, very vanilla. It's just very stale, a lot of dump patterns, dump routes, like nothing really crazy. And right off the bat, everybody's like, like, what's going on? Like, we know it's not necessarily all on Tua. It is a little bit. I, I won't totally blindly defend him because I did that with Tannehill for seven years, and it turns out he was an issue. Granted, he's good now, but I, I'm not going to totally let Tua uh, come off the hook a little bit, but there, there was no deep throws, and whether that's on him or whether that's on the play call or whether that's on the wide receivers, I don't necessarily know because, unfortunately, when we watch NFL games, they only show you the quarterback and about 20 yards in front of them, so you don't really see what the receivers are doing. So there was nothing exciting about what they were doing in the first half. It was just very, very vanilla uh, football from an offensive standpoint. Then they start off the second half, boom, they score right away. He might have been like, Six for seven on the drive, touchdown, awesome. Then follows that up with like back-to-back-to-back three and outs. 
And yes, part of it's on him. Part of it's on uh, a penalty on first and 10 that makes a first and 20, yada, yada, whatever. He couldn't do anything. So they say, hey, listen, we're down right now 16-13 in the fourth quarter with about like eight minutes left, something like that. And we need a spark. So they bring in Fitz. He leaves him down. We get uh, a field goal. So boom, 16-16. We're in the fourth quarter. Time's kind of taken away, but we still have some time. Then bomb pass from Carr to Algalore that I thought he kind of pushed off a little bit, but it is what it is. Boom, touchdown. So so now we're now we're down. It was six, so so they uh, now we're down 22 to 16, and they missed the extra point right there. So everyone's like, holy shit. And the whole game, I was telling uh, my family, we were watching, I was like, this this uh, this kicker for the Raiders, he's everything's kind of leaking right, leaking right a little bit, just leaking right. And just, just on extra points, but you could see that ball kind of tailing. And there's no win because they're in a dome. Bang. That last extra point that they go to kick, boom, misses right. So now we're only down six. Then another, uh, Fitzpatrick drives again. Nice pass to Miles Gaskin, who had like 160 yards total and two touchdowns. He catches a little slant inside and then bangs it around the outside for like a 60-yard touchdown, something crazy. So we're like, holy shit, we're going nuts. We're about to win this game. We go up, make the extra point, 23-22. We're like, all right, all we got to do is kind of hold him here. There's like maybe three minutes left, four minutes, nothing we haven't done before. Derek Carr drops back. Bomb pass. Absolutely massive pass. Had to be like 60, 65 yards in the air. Byron Jones uh, pass interference. So right there, uh, my, my heart is just, out of my body, just completely fell out of my body. I'm like season's over, the game's over. It was kind of a questionable, another questionable PI call, and I'm like, Jesus, like, like, is that really how we're gonna lose right now on a kind of iffy call that where last year you could have challenged that, and who knows what happened? So we go down, uh, and this is where teams and NFL coaches really need to kind of evaluate their game plan. Is we saw similar to what uh, I believe what was it, Ahmad Bradshaw who late in the game when, when they were playing, I guess that was the Patriots where he fell in the end zone, but he probably should have just sat on the one. So it was kind of the same situation where they could milk the clock out and get to like 20 seconds if they kicked the field goal. So they did that. Josh Jacobs basically had an open lane to the, to the end zone. And Brian Flores came out and said, yeah, we wanted them to score. So they're basically like welcoming them in, like, come on, please score. And then give us the ball back with like a minute left. And, they didn't take the touchdown. They just took the the three points. They make the uh, the field goal. Bang. So now we're down two with down two with 19 seconds left. They kick the ball off. No one touches it. So touchback. Bang. We're on the 25. Keep in mind, Fitzpatrick turns into Fitz Magic right now, and he comes in very uh, almost a little bit of a stupid play call on the defense. A little bit. They had kind of like a two deep safety, and they were still kind of packing the box a little bit. I don't really know why. And, and they didn't learn their lesson from the Jets game. They did the exact same thing against the Jets and they lost the game. Yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty identical because you saw all the linemen went around the pocket and they kind of went past Fitzpatrick. So there's no quarterback for you to tackle if you run 10 yards past him. So Fitzpatrick leaks up back into the uh, into the pocket where he has pretty much an open lane, starts his throw and then gets his face mask yanked by the defender, which basically, honestly, probably he came out and said, he's like, it kind of helped a little bit because it slowed down his arm and the ball that he was throwing to Matt Collins, who was streaming down the left sideline, who was wide open, by the way, basically caught it like a punt. And I, like as the ball was in the air, I saw the face back. It was pretty bad. And I was like, oh my God, there's a flag. Then all of a sudden I'm like, got to catch the ball. Got to catch the ball. Got to catch the ball. Catches like a punt, bang, falls out of the sideline. My mom's going nuts in my ear, going absolutely crazy. But I'm in my mind, I'm like, hold on, hold on. One yeah. was even in bounds. Two, did they even throw the flag? All this stuff. So everyone's going nuts in my household. I'm sure every Dolphin fan was like, what the hell just happened? Then we first see bang. All right, it's a clean catch. And then you see flag 15 yards. You see Fitzpatrick look to the ref and just go like that to motion that he basically got his head ripped off his head. Uh, you got, got his face kind of ripped off there. And then it kind of starts to process. I'm like, holy shit. So they're at the 25, the pass took them to about like the 45. So even if they didn't have the penalty, you would have been setting up for probably like a game winning 61 yard field goal. And then you tack on 15 yards and now you're kicking like it was like a 41 yard field goal, something like that. And I'm like, holy shit. Like we have a chance to win right now. Like not just like this gimmick. Oh, we're in kind of close territory to throw up a bomb. Like, no, like we're about to win this game. Jason Sanders comes in with like seven seconds left. Bang. 
kick, kicks it right up the uprights. The ball was leaking a little right, but then just came back dead center. Side note there, I don't get how the physics of field goals work, how balls just kind of go right and then come back or cut and draw and fade. I have no idea how that works. So we're up one, and of course, there's one second left. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I get, that's another thing I don't really understand is who's doing the clock there because whenever in Who big situations – who decides exactly. when the clock stops? Like when it's your team and you need the time to run out, there always seems to be one second. But when you're getting That's the game-winning field goal kicked against you, they'll be, they'll be three, two, one after the ball's already been uh, through the uprights. Mm-hmm. So they uh, they obviously have to finish the game by kicking it off. They do a nice little squib, bounces over a bunch of guys, and then everyone on the Dolphins kind of swarms around the ball. And that's where I'm just like, holy shit, like you cannot lose this game. You cannot lose this game. And finally – end up making a guy fumble. We recover it, which extended our like 21 game streak of uh, forcing a turnover. And then obviously we won the game. So now reality sets in. I'm like, holy shit. That was the craziest game I've ever seen. Probably crazier than the Miami miracle, just because this actually meant something. And I know we talked about it uh, a little, uh, few weeks ago when it was like the anniversary of that. Now this actually meant something And one. It eliminated the Raiders, which was awesome. Anytime you could do that, it extended our, uh, a road record to five and two, which is awesome. That's something that we probably haven't done in a while. And now reality sets in, like you said, we're, we're winning. You're in. And I know you're facing probably the hottest team in the NFL in the bills, but you win and you're in it. But then if you don't, you need either the Ravens, the Browns or the uh, Indianapolis Colts to lose. So percentage wise, I think we have like an 85% chance to make the playoffs, which is something that week one, starting this podcast, I definitely would never have imagined. Yeah. And, and I think, what you want to do if you're a Dolphins fan, you want to win the game that you have. You don't want to yes. rely on other teams because that is when you get into trouble. Like controlling your own, your destiny is the most important thing when you're trying to make a playoff run. So you don't want to lose to the Bills in a game that the Bills don't need at all because mm-hmm. the Chiefs have the one seed and you know the Steelers who are below the Bills for the two seed aren't mm-hmm. playing Roethlisberger. So the Bills really have no no reason to win this game or even play their starters and risk getting Mm -hmm. injuries. So the dolphins, the dolphins need to take care of business of what's in front of them. You can't rely on the Colts to lose or the Browns to lose or the Ravens to lose, because if the dolphins lose and none of that transpires and the dolphins are out, they have nobody to blame, but themselves. So Mm -hmm. if I'm a dolphins fan, I'm not even looking at those scenarios. I am taking care of what I need to take care of at 1 PM on Sunday in Buffalo. Now, what's funny about the quarterback controversy that we're going to get into between Tua and Fitz is that Fitz was in this exact same position as a member of the mm-hmm. New York Jets, headed into week 17 in Buffalo with a chance to put the Jets in, winning in in the playoffs against a Buffalo team that didn't need the game. Granted, back then Buffalo was bad. Now Buffalo is good and just doesn't need the game because they're already in. And the Jets laid an egg that get, that day. I don't know if you remember that game, but I do. it was it was terrible. The Jets just mm-hmm. completely fell flat. That was Todd Bowles' first year as head coach, and the Jets haven't recovered since. In the four years since, uh, I think it was two more years of Bowles and then the two years of Gase that have been complete disaster. So now here we are, week seventeen, going into a win or essentially go home because you want to take care of what you can take care yeah. of. Yeah. And we don't know. I guess the fan base is divided on who the quarterback could be. I can't remember a situation where this has happened. It's this. It's this with the Dolphins, and then on the in the other conference with the Washington Football Team. Both teams in a win and go to the playoff situation have no idea who their quarterback should be. Now you'd rather be mm-hmm. the Dolphins because you have two competent quarterbacks instead of you know an injured Alex Smith and Haneke because they released Haskins, yeah. which we'll get into mm-hmm. later. But if you're a Dolphins fan, do you start Tua and have Fitzpatrick in relief? Or do you just trust the veteran in this situation to give him the ball from kickoff in the first quarter? Yeah, it's such a tough question because, and honestly, Dolphins Twitter and just the Dolphins fandom is has been so toxic in the past, like, couple couple well, weeks, in their especially defense, in the last they couple really days. don't know how to behave in this situation because they're never 100 percent 100 percent we we don't know how to behave we don't know how to appreciate anything when we, when we have a good thing going people are at two is a boss two is this two is that i'm like guys i'm it's like ridiculous. come on and i know 
I know I'm the biggest Tua stand of all time. Like I get that, but I'm trying to put that to the side because I was blinded by Tannehill's uh, kind of shortcomings, and I've learned from that. So now I'm looking at this situation, and you still have to look at, first of all, what Tua has done. People forget his game against the Cardinals where he led a fourth-quarter comeback. They put up 34 points on the board. Then you look at his game against the Chargers. They scored 29. He had two touchdowns, uh, no turnovers. And I think when it comes down to it, and Brian Flores and the offensive coordinator, Chan Gailey, who was a part of that Jets team who lost with Fitzpatrick, by the way, they basically say, listen, like we can't turn the ball over. And if you do, like we're going to lose games. So I think that is why this like reliever situation is working so well with Fitz and for the Dolphins, because they know Tua is not going to turn the ball over. You hope at least, but they design plays and the offensive coordinator came out and basically said they kind of cater plays to him. And then to, they keep referencing, oh, it's all about the situation in the game. So you could see they even they even quoted and they said they see themselves as a 12 to 13 play per drive team. So obviously that's not your Kansas City Chiefs throw the ball deep and score on one play. That's like, all right, we're going to run it. We're going to milk the clock pretty much because they're basically saying, listen, our defense is good. We just need to keep our offense on the field as long as possible, then score friggin' 21 points, and that should win us the game. Now, that makes sense. I would say right now, I get that, especially because you have a quarterback who is smart enough to know the situation, know, hey, I, I need to basically be kind of super conservative. Now, the situation that happens with the Bills is that they're a team that have a very explosive offense, and they're a team similar to the Chiefs that we ran into where we ended up going down like 20 points. They scored 30 straight unanswered points, but we chipped away. So I think they need to let Tua eat a little bit early and if, if he makes if, if he makes a mistake, he makes a mistake and he throws an interception. Like, like who cares? Like when I watch him, it looks like him and the offensive play calling, like they really don't want to turn the ball over. And of course you get that, but it has to that game plan has to cater to how dynamic the other team's offense is. Because listen, the Dolphin Dolphins defense is one of, uh, probably the number one ranked defense in a lot of categories, specifically most points led up on average but you can't always rely on that. So that's, yeah. I kind of see them relying a little too much. Like, cause you get it. If that folds now, next thing you know, you're getting beat by 30 points. So you don't want that. So I would definitely against, first of all, I definitely would still let Tua be the starter. And if, again, if they need that late spark fourth quarter drive, I still would like to see Tua get the opportunity because this is now the second time where they were down seven against the Broncos. They didn't give Tua an opportunity to lead that final drive. And then same thing with, now against the Raiders. Obviously, the Raiders won't work. The Broncos won didn't work. So they're batting 500. I guess you'll take those odds. But it, th- that kind of relief appearance works so well for Fitzpatrick because, again, you know what you're going to get with him. He's just going to air it out. He doesn't really care where it's going. He can read defenses really well, obviously, because he's a veteran. So we can't take that, uh, that away from him and away from the situation. And he basically comes in and says, listen, I'm going to put the ball – where I think it's it's supposed to be, and he's going to air it out. If someone picks it off, like you saw in the Denver game, it kind of is what it is. It's one of those, well, like, like it's a, a win-win situation for Fitz and basically for the Dolphins because you're not really going to second-guess yourself because you needed a touchdown. It's more of a desperation kind of situation, so you're going to put in that guy who's going to make those boomer bust plays in Fitzpatrick. So I get what it's doing, but I also think the reason he's doing so well as a, like a quote-unquote reliever is basically the same reasons why he's not the starter anymore. I think what's really going to be interesting to see how Brian Flores handles the leash on Tua. And it might not even be Tua's fault when he mm. gets when or if he gets taken out. Let's like hypothetically say that on Sunday, the Bills get the ball for, first, they drive down, score a touchdown. Dolphins three and out, punt, Bills go down, score another touchdown. Two minutes left in the first quarter, it's already 14 nothing. Now, Tua wouldn't necessarily have done anything wrong because, you know, three and outs happen. But down 14 nothing with the playoffs on the line, is at that moment the time to bring in Fitzpatrick or is that a little bit of a panic move in the first quarter? All eyes are going to be on floors, not only for the rest of this week till he names the starter for sure. If he didn't already, I'm not, I don't, I'm not at the top of my head that he did, mm-hmm. but when we're in the game, every there's going to be a camera locked on Fitzpatrick on the sideline 
until he gets in. So I think it's gonna be really interesting to see if Flores puts in Fitzpatrick, even if two is not playing bad per se, but he just trusts Fitzpatrick to keep pace with the bills offense more than he does Tua at this point in his young career. Yeah. So right, literally right after the game, people, obviously reporters like, Oh, congratulations to the win. Who's your starter. He said two is the starter dead silence. Like no, then everyone's like, wait, what? He's like, two is a starter. Like, like no questions asked. Like, like, and that's that. I think is what is helping this situation so much because there's no wishy washy. You no, know, well, well, we'll look at the tape and we'll we'll see how they practice. Like, no, he's like, two is the starter. He's he he was named the starter for a reason prior uh, against the Raiders. He's been the starter for the last seven weeks, whatever it was, for a reason. Nothing changes. Now you raise a great point, and I could definitely foresee that situation where, yeah, you're only down fourteen. Say Tua has three or four drives which is nothing in the grand scheme of a game and he they don't do anything for whatever reasons he's obviously the one that is going to be the scapegoat and is going to have to be get taken out you're not going to take out the wide receivers or the linemen if something isn't doing well so i could definitely foresee that situation and i think everybody as a dolphin fan needs to understand that like two is long-term growth for every game leading up from now till if we eventually make the playoffs is kind of taking a, a slight backseat in the sense that, Hey, if they want to go to Fitz, they're going to go to Fitz. If they want to do it after the first drive, because maybe they just don't see anything they like, that's perfectly fine. What people aren't understanding is that they think that because he's getting kind of quote unquote benched and they're bringing in this reliever form that he can't lead comebacks, which is false. Cause again, you've seen him do it obviously in college and you've seen him do it this year, but people for some reason want to forget that. And I think people need to understand that what happens right now has no effect on who two is going to be in the future. And if anything, and when you see him and you could just see his mannerisms and you see how appreciative, appreciative he is of coach Flores transparency. It's just, everything's black and white, nothing gray, nothing in the middle and his relationship with Fitzpatrick. Like that is not a toxic relationship at all. Like they yeah. genuinely love each other and they want to win. And two even said, he's like, listen, anytime we could win, that's what we have to do. He's like, I understand like Fitzpatrick came in the game. I understand I wasn't the one to close it, but listen, like we want to win right now. The, the only time to really start raising some eyebrows is like, I think I texted you and Garrett this year three year four where you're like, all right, your team's kind of in play. If you still can't figure this out, that's when you start thinking, all right, do I have to move on from this guy? But not in eight, eight games yeah. after an offseason where he's rehabbing his hip. So I, I am not worried in the slightest. The only thing, again, I, I do get a little annoyed because maybe Tua could have led that comeback that, that he did in, in games past. But we didn't get that opportunity. But it, it, I can't really complain about getting a win. I absolutely c- cannot whatsoever. Tua against the Raiders went 17 of 22, 94 yards. And Fitzpatrick went 9 of 13 with 182 yards. Each had a touchdown pass. Neither had an interception. We, we've seen Tua do it in his career, both collegiately and his few games in the NFL. And I think you make a good point when you say his development this year is taking a backseat to the Dolphins' playoff run. That is kind of a reason for me to say – you know, playing devil's advocate on Tua starting, hey, Tua's going to be our guy going into 2021, 22, 23. But in this game in week 17, we feel like Fitzpatrick can be a guy that could throw for 300 plus yards and throw three touchdowns and not turn the ball over more than Tua can at this point in his career where, you know, he really hasn't thrown for Mm -hmm. 300 yards. Like, yeah. I think the opponent is really important. Yeah. Assuming that the Bills come to play and they don't want the Dolphins celebrating a playoff on their field against a division rival. So let's just say mm-hmm. hypothetically they go all out. Who what quarterback on the Dolphins is better suited to keep up with the with Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs in that offense? In my opinion, at this point on December 29th and on January 3rd on Sunday, the answer is mm. it's Patrick at that point, at this point. So yeah, my worry, if I'm a Dolphins fan, is that not that two is going to play bad, is that the Bills offense, kind of what I was alluding to previously, the Bills offense is mm. just going to score 
the way they've been scoring like they did yesterday mm-hmm. on Monday night against the Patriots. Not that they, not to that extent, because the Dolphins have a really good defense and the Patriots are shot. But mm-hmm. who's going to keep pace with Josh Allen better? I think right now in his career, that's Fitzpatrick. So that's why I think it might have been the better um, idea for this season to start Fitzpatrick in this week 17. But I mm-hmm. understand starting to it. And I think it was really impressive. They ripped Fitzpatrick toward the sideline at, right after the game to go on um, his post-game interview with Fox. And they asked him mm-hmm. about his comeback. And instead of talking about himself and how great this is, probably the biggest comeback win of his career or one of them, he had a long, he's had a re- really good long career. He mm-hmm. said, I, th- I, just, I just think that this is a really good learning experience for Tua, even though he didn't play. So I think that relationship, as you said, it has been perfect. But with all that said, in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of many, Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. gives the Dolphins the best chance to win and that he should start. Because, you know, <clears throat> uh, one of these days, it's gonna, Flores is going to wait too long to go to the bullpen, so to speak. And you would hate yeah. that to be on Sunday. With the playoffs yeah, and, and and to to reference baseball a little bit too, uh, one of the a quote from uh, one of my old coaches, Coach Ponch, he used to always say, "You can never take uh, a pitcher out too early. It's always yeah. too late." So I think you could see a short leash with Tua. Honestly, like like you were saying, I would David Garcia out too early. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But I, if they on on Sunday randomly say Fitz is the start, I wouldn't be surprised either. And yeah. you make a good point when you say who is better suited to keep up with the Bills. I would say that is Fitzpatrick, and and I don't think that's really surprising. I, I again, I know Justin Herbert's success. That's not an insult on Tua no, yeah. at all. Yeah, exactly. Not a I lot think... of quarterbacks can keep pace with the Bills. Exactly. And, and and that's what I mean. So when you think about that, who's going to give you the best kind of boom uh, chance there to score a ton of points? It is going to be Fitzpatrick because he, he has done it. He's put up like 21 points uh, by halftime in multiple games this season. So it, it more so kind of goes into it. What's been going on the whole season is how much do they trust their defense to kind of mitigate that offensive power that the Bills have? And I think they trust their defense a lot where they feel comfortable keeping to it in. Now, if Tua does start, and again, I wouldn't be surprised, or I honestly wouldn't even be too, too mad if they did put in Fitzpatrick. It is what it is. I think we have two very competent quarterbacks to get the job done. One, obviously, with Fitz, you know where you're going to get. You're going to get a bunch of big plays, but you might get that Fitz tragic as well. And the reason I I think they won't go with Fitz is because you're not going to really see a situation where Fitz, say, does terrible, like like throws like three interceptions the first half. Like, are you going to then go to Tua? So it's like, I don't know if I could see that, but I could obviously see I could obviously see Fitz being that reliever for Tua, but I don't think I could see it being reversed. But who knows, honestly, because none of us really thought that Fitz was ever going to step foot on the field again after he got taken out after starting three and three. So I think you're going to be in for a surprise with whatever Flores does. And I think we as Dolphin fans definitely have to just trust him because he hasn't really made any wrong moves yet. So he's going to do whatever he can and whatever he feels he can to win the football game that day. Let's talk about the Bills for a second because they deserve to be talked about. Uh, mm-hmm. 12 and 3 dismantled the Patriots on Monday night. They're looking pretty good to be the two seed because it looks like the Steelers are conceding that. And not that the mm-hmm. two seed matters anymore because there's no buy in terms of, you know, only the one seed now gets the buy with the new expanded playoffs. This mm-hmm. team is clicking on all cylinders going into the playoffs. So, a couple questions with this. One, if you were the Bills, would you go all out against the Dolphins or would you rest your players going into wildcard weekend? And two, in the AFC playoff picture, do you think this Bills team is the greatest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs or do you think it's still the Steelers or the Browns or the Colts or even your Dolphins? What are, what are our thoughts about the Bills? Week 17 who they're going to play, who they're going to sit, and then going into the playoffs, their expectations. I think, and you make a good point saying how the two seed really doesn't matter. You kind of just get an extra home game. But as we've seen in the NFL, home and away doesn't really matter too, too much because there's no fans. anymore. There's, really, so there's, no, there's really no fans. At, and exactly. There's no really uh, fans anyway. So if I'm Buffalo, I am trusting my team to be able to win 
potentially on the road as a three seed against a two seed, you're assuming who it's going to be Pittsburgh. I'm trusting my team that they can handle that. If Josh Allen gets hurt or even Stephon Diggs, if one of them get hurt in a week 17 game Mm -hmm. in a game that technically doesn't matter too, too much, because it's not like you're playing for the one seed. That's that would be understandable. If you get hurt, your season is over is absolutely over. You've worked so hard for these past 16 weeks to get into the playoffs. And now you did. And now you're going to risk that to me. And obviously I'm going to say that because I want no one on the bills to play so we could hopefully win. But it just, I can't think of a logical explanation to play any of these guys. And I know some people be like, oh, well, he's rusty. Bullshit. I'd rather someone be rusty. You could shake that off in a quarter. I can't shake off a high ankle sprain in one week. And, and you're seeing it. I'm sure Andy Reid came out, and I think he mentioned that uh, some players would be sitting too. So that means they're going to have two weeks off. And I think people are realizing that in football, health is the most important thing, especially when you get to the playoffs. You can't afford to have third, fourth stringers in there because – a lot of times the teams are already down on the depth chart anyway, just because you're playing a 17 game, uh, 16 game season, 17 weeks. And with COVID and everything, you never know. So I would play it safe if on the bills. I wouldn't really maybe start them for a quarter, but then when you think about it, all it takes is one play. What if that happens on the first play and then he's done. You, yeah. you, you never really know, especially when you have a very passionate and emotional dolphins team coming in, they're coming for blood a little bit. And I know you're not trying to hurt anybody, but you're trying to make Josh Allen feel it a little bit, whether it be feel it for next week when they play us in the playoffs or feel it for next week when they're playing somebody else. So my answer to the, the first question would be definitely I would probably sit a lot of their key guys. And the second question, I think Buffalo is easily the biggest threat to not only challenge the Chiefs, but I think to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I in terms of the first question with how a team should handle week 17 i think if you are a football team and you have nothing to play for week 17 and you're going to the playoffs i would treat week 17 almost as if it was you know week three of the preseason like i'm gonna have my guys maybe for a half maybe for one quarter not not playing them the entire game i think that's dumb Mm -hmm. and i am dumbing down the playbook as much as possible i'm not throwing it deep I'm not doing any of these trick plays, no gimmicks, none of that. I, I'm just playing it straight. I, I want, I, I think there is something to getting your guys out there. I don't believe in benching them entirely. I think keeping them fresh, keeping them warm, keeping that routine of when Sunday at one o'clock hits, you're out there in the field. Even if Josh Allen hands the ball off three times and it doesn't play the mm-hmm. rest of the game, I think that does still mean something in terms of just your rhythm and staying warm on the football field in the heat of competition but I would not if I was the Bills play Josh Allen and Diggs and Beasley who's already banged up in the game Mm. at all or I would I wouldn't play them in the second half at all I should say I think the Bills are as you said easily the biggest threat to the Chiefs I think they have the most explosive offense of the teams in the AFC not named the Kansas City Chiefs because what we saw from Cleveland against the Jets, albeit they did not have any of their receivers because of COVID, that was a, that was rough to see, and they might not even make the playoffs because of it. I mean, they got mm-hmm. a break because Ben's not going to play, but if they somehow lose to the Steelers without ben, Big Ben and a few other things happen, they're out of the playoffs entirely. Um, I think the Steelers barely got through Indianapolis. They've been a mess for a month. I don't I don't trust them going through the rest of the AFC. Obviously, if the Dolphins make it, they play the Chiefs already, play them tough, but I think that's unrealistic in terms of where the Dolphins are, where the Chiefs are. Mm-hmm. I think the Ravens, if they sneak in, I still think they have that pedigree and they still have you know, Lamar Jackson. If he has the Sundays that he could have on any given Sunday where he can just be the MVP he was last year, I think he can beat the, Ra- beat the Chiefs. I'm not sure about Indianapolis. I don't think they could do it. Um, who else is out there? I'm trying to think. Who am I missing? In the AFC? Tennessee. Tennessee. They were in the AFC Championship last year. You got Henry. I don't trust. I like Tannehill. I know you're a big Tannehill guy, but mm-hmm. push comes to shove. If he needs a two minute drive to beat Kansas City, I don't. I don't know if he can do it against that defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think you know, as we've seen the last month. 
even though Kansas City hasn't won by a lot, I think the last six wins have been by six points or less or something like that. I saw a stat on, on SportsCenter. I, I, I just think if Mahomes has the ball last, I think the Chiefs are going to win. So what quarterback is going to beat the Chiefs if he has the ball last with two minutes to go? I think Josh Allen's the best quarterback of the bunch. So I do think it's Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like you said, when you rattle through each team, you, you see a lot of flaws in other teams. Like you go through the Ravens. It, basically, if you kind of limit Lamar and keep him in the pocket, odds are you're gonna you're probably gonna win. And he's still a good passer, but he's just not the same. Then you look at the Titans. You saw the Packers do a little bit too. They kind of really crowded the box. I know the the Titans had some success on offense, but their defense got picked apart a ton by Aaron Rodgers. So. You don't think the Chiefs and and the Bills are going to try to do that too? I mean, there really aren't many flaws in Buffalo or Kansas City's game, and I think that's why they're clearly the top two favorites. Yeah, I'd be shocked if the AFC Championship wasn't chalk with the one and two seeds with Kansas City and Buffalo. I think that would be an amazing game. Both teams are cold with other teams. Um, Both offenses are stellar. Both have solid defenses. Both have you know tremendous quarterbacks, as we know. So I think that would be the game that everyone would want. But I do think in terms of, you know, we were just talking about beating the Chiefs. I do think that the Bills can fall flat in the playoffs. I still, I think there's an outside chance of that happening because, you know, Josh Allen's never been there before in terms of the expectations. He was there last year and they lost to Houston. Mm -hmm. So kind of like the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, what he's unfortunately the tough situations he's had in the playoffs you know, Josh mm-hmm. Allen's on that level too. So he needs to have that January success as well. Cause we remember with the Ravens two years ago, when Jackson first came, he had that awful game against the chargers in the playoffs. Then last year he had that MVP season and everyone said, Oh, he's just going to run through the playoffs and meet Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game. But that didn't work because even though he had the great regular season, he still, you know, it was still a dud in the playoffs. I think there's, I think mm-hmm. Josh Allen's still susceptible to that kind of route, but we should see. I still, I, those teams are two of the best teams in the AFC. And I think that would be the best AFC championship game in terms of all of the teams that could be in that game. Moving to the NFC, the Packers basically have the one seed. I don't know if they clinched per se. Did they I clinch they the one did. seed? they did. I, I, I don't really know who else. New Orleans and Seattle. So, New Orleans and so Seattle maybe they didn't four. clinch. Green Bay is 12 and three. Rodgers is probably going to win the MVP of the league. Mm-hmm. He's crazy good. And it's amazing what he's doing, Matt, because the organization doesn't help him. Like in the first round, they drafted Jordan Love. <laughs> they really don't, you know, get him a wide receiver, Monte Adams. But mm-hmm. he just, he, he, he just like, it was just a complete revenge tour with them. I think he was infuriated that they took love but credit to Rodgers he doesn't seem like he's been a bad teammate at all to love he seems yeah. like he's just gonna buy his business I think that was a big concern when they t- took love if Rodgers would be kind of not willing to be around love or mentor him I haven't gotten that vibe at all so Green Bay is the one seed I think they're the prohibitive favorite to go to the Super Bowl because the Saints are flawed and the Seahawks are flawed although they're leading their divisions. The NFC East is where we're going we're gonna to start. Mm-hmm. So Washington right now winning in, but we have no idea who's going to play quarterback because they released Haskins yeah. after just a nightmare with a strip club and just being a bad quarterback, and they just said, you know what, we're done with you. And now they have Smith, who's hurt. Not sure if he can go. And if he can't, they have this kid, Heineke, who – if he had to play against the Eagles, I know the Eagles have nothing to play for, but you know, Jalen Hurst still played well against Dallas to, despite the turnovers. He still threw for 300 mm. yards. So I don't know if Heineke starts, if the Redskins can keep up with the Eagles. With that said, at one o'clock, the Giants and Cowboys are going to play. And that, in my opinion, is going to determine the division winner because I do think that Philadelphia is going to win this game for whatever reason. I'm confident in that. So mm-hmm. Giants Cowboys, it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing that these two teams have a chance to win the division. So the Cowboys beat the Eagles. Dalton looked really good against Philadelphia. Yeah. And then the Giants got embarrassed by Baltimore. They've lost three straight since that big Seattle win. So one of these teams is just gonna back into the playoffs 
and most likely play Tampa Bay. So what what is there to say about this this week with the NFC East? I feel like there's nothing really to say about it. It's more like let's just get it over with and whoever's there is there on wildcard weekend. Yeah, I mean, my question to you, and it's funny because Giants and just their fan base has been all over the place, and it's not even their fault, just with their success, with their kind of false hope with maybe a draft pick or false hope with, hey, now we can maybe even make the playoffs, and now we know it's not even false hope that they're one game away. Yeah. So the the question to you – It's very conceivable. It, it's very conceivable that the Giants can make the playoffs. Like, if you told me the Giants are going to make the playoffs, yeah. I would say, you know what, they could. Like, it's not and, out of the realm of possibility at all. And the, the, the crazier thing is that if they lose, they have a chance of getting the third overall pick. So yeah. my question to you is with where the Giants are, and I know prior or in the middle of the kind of their success, because I know they started off like 0-5 or whatever it was, people were like, listen, we don't need draft picks. It doesn't matter. Let's just try to make the playoffs. We'd be huge for Daniel Jones. Now I feel like just trying to sense from the outside looking in, I feel like the script kind of flipped a little bit. And I think – a good amount of Giants fans would rather that third overall pick yeah. that essentially would probably lock you in to Kine Sewell, yeah. who hasn't allowed a pressure on a quarterback and in all of last season. Not one pressure, not yeah. one QB hit, no, no sacks, no nothing. So my mm-hmm. question is, would you rather kind of back into the playoffs and assumably lose in the first round to Tampa Bay, or would you rather lose and then get that third overall pick? See, I want to explain myself because three weeks ago, you can go back. you can go back on previous episodes when they beat the Seahawks. I came here. I was like, screw it. Let's go to the playoffs. And then they mm-hmm. lost three straight. And here they are in week 17 and they still have a chance to make the playoffs. The reason why I'm kind of walking back on screw it, let's win the division is because now because of the three straight losses, they've positioned themselves to have such a good draft pick. Like against the Seahawks, they won. And if they would have beaten the Cardinals and maybe beaten the Browns or just won two of those games and then had this situation here, they would have gone, they would have positioned themselves where they, if they didn't make the playoffs, they'd still have like a 12 overall pick. Now with Mm. the opportunity to get into the top five or top 10, I am definitely more on the side of the Giants fan base. That's like, you know what, for the future of this organization, as much fun as it would be, to be a six and ten division winner wild card team and have a playoff game in January, as nice as that would be, and as funny as that would be, and how kind of embarrassing that would be. <laughs> I think that for the Giants, they would I they should probably lose this game in terms of what's better for them five years from now. Because we saw it with Chase Young last year. Everybody likes to say Oh, you play to win the game. You never play to lose. Let's well, hear it. It's, it's bullshit. It's all bullshit. Yeah. I can't stand that argument. And a lot of people, a lot of the big names in the Giants fan base, like on Twitter, like that license plate dude, like he wants to be mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Uh, Lawrence Times, the former Giants kicker, he's you know on Twitter saying hate, the Giants need hate, to win. Hate his Twitter. Hate his Twitter. Oh my God, his Twitter's the worst. He says the most like ridiculous yeah. things. I'm like, shut up, dude. You're a kicker. Anyway. Yeah. Like, what? The drop off between a top three pick and the 19th pick where the Giants would be if they lost on if they won the division and lost in the first round is a lot. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. And if they lose and they finish five and 11 with the third overall pick. And maybe Mara says, you know what, we've lost 10, 10 games for six of the last seven years. And then in the three years of Gettleman's tenure as GM. The Giants have never won at least seven games. So that's three straight, you know, six and 10 or worse seasons. I would much rather the Giants lose, get a top 10 pick, entice John Merritt to fire David Gettleman, get more of a progressive general manager to make these selections and reboot an offense that is really bad. It's the 31st ranked offense in football now you know in fairness barkley's not there in fairness they didn't have a preseason or training camp uh in fairness you know andrew thomas is still a rookie and there was a couple of opt-outs in the offensive line nate soldier even though he's not that great whatever the giants need either seawall 
as you said, or one of the two big wide receivers. And you're not going to get that with the 19th overall pick. As nice as it would be to have a playoff game for the first time in four years and for the second time in 10, it's mm-hmm. one of those things where you have to be a little bit more patient as a Giants fan and understand that losing might be what's best long-term term for the organization. So on Sunday, I'll root for the Giants to win and to win the division because that's just how we naturally are wired. As of course, fans, of course. You want to win and you want you don't want to you don't want to lose to the Cowboys on your home field and you don't want to hand yeah. Washington or Dallas division. You don't want that. But mm-hmm. all I'm saying is that it's nothing to be devastated about if the Giants lose to the Cowboys on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you. And it, it, it sucks, obviously, kind of like going through this whole season and you're not really in a rebuild, but you kind of are and stuff like that. But it's just the the best case scenario, obviously, that would shut us up would be you guys win and you make the playoffs and you play, say, Tampa Bay and you shock the world and you beat them, which they almost did early in the season. If they beat Tampa, then it's worth it because you won a playoff game. Of but if you're just going to yeah. win a division to lose to Tampa, then it wasn't worth it. That yeah, that and I think the odds of beating Tampa when it comes to playoffs and playoff Tom Brady and that offense who is finally starting to click I, again. I don't yeah. like the Giants' odds at all, and it's it just like you said. You need you can either get that stud stud lineman in uh, Pinay Seawall, or you can say like you said, get any of the top two, top three wide receivers in Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, and Jamar Chase. And like you said, you're not going to get that if you're at 19. And I know yeah. everyone's going to be like, oh, well, you could still find talent late in the rounds. Of mm-hmm. course you can. But yeah. you don't have the choice of the talent. And that's what it's all about. It's about having the choice. That's it. I understand yeah. there's talent th- rounds one through seven, but you want to have the I, choice. I, I, I can't stand the argument when people say I'd rather have a draft pick and then other people will say, oh, well, Brady was in the sixth round and Wilson yeah, was in the fourth round and Dak was in the fourth. It's stupid. I would much rather have the I'd rather have the options than, exactly. as you said, the options than at 19th taking the last person available. Because if yeah, you're and then, three and you want a yeah. wide receiver, you have all of the wide receivers in college football to pick from at 19. Yes. You don't have chase available. You don't have Smith available. You probably won't have Waddle available at that point. Mm-hmm. So now you're picking from that second tier of wide receivers. Yeah. It, it's a it, question for me. Yeah. Again, I a hundred percent agree with you. And I just, I don't understand why some people don't understand that, but that's, I yeah. guess that's for them to figure out. But it, like you said, and then also you factor in, Hey, if you're at pick number three and yeah. there's a bunch of QB needy teams behind you, they're going to trade probably trade the farm for you. And, and I texted this to, to you guys. And I said, when the, the Rams traded with the Titans from 16 to one, they for Goff essentially, they gave up two ones, two twos, and then two threes. That is yeah. a ridiculous ransom. And I understand that you probably won't get that deal, but if a team is trading up for a quarterback, you're going to get a little more than you would if they were trading up for say another position. So being at three, is a lot more enticing than even say being at 10. So yeah. they, they, the, 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 the theme of what the giants and the dolphins need to ask themselves is what moves are they going to make that is going to give them sustained continuous success throughout, not just one year, but, at, but from one to probably five years, that is what they need to ask themselves. And I, I honestly think beating, I mean, worst case scenario is they win and then Washington wins too. So that would screw their pick and they wouldn't make it. You know what? Lawrence Tynes tweeted that that would be fine with him. Like if the Giants won and then it didn't matter because Washington won, he said, you still got to win the game. It's so dumb. That's such a dumb but thing to say. But go on. It, it is, And then the, the follow-up question is, the only way it's kind of like good for the organization is if Daniel Jones plays because he's the guy everything is kind of circled around right now. If he doesn't even play, who gives a shit what Colt McCoy does in week 17? It really mm-hmm. doesn't matter. So yeah. if Daniel Jones is not playing, fucking hope Colt McCoy throws five interceptions for God's sakes. Exactly. Like it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Go back to the if you go back to the draft and I, I think this this is the best case scenario for the Giants. If they don't make the playoffs, the best case scenario is that they get the three pick. The Jaguars mm-hmm. take Lawrence. The Jets decide to stick with Darnold. And now the Giants are dangling Justin Fields in a bidding war. And all these teams that need quarterbacks, um, the Lions, right? 
the Niners, maybe the Falcons, maybe the Panthers, definitely the, the Vikings. Eagles, maybe the the Vikings, the Broncos, um, going the Colts, the Patriots. All these teams are just going to be so many teams for the Giants, just hanging, just hanging yeah. fields like this. You could get a hole and probably end up at the 19th range that you'd be at anyway with a first round pick next year and a second and another second round pick this year. I, I think the giants can have a real quick reset if they could have that third pick and have fields and have everyone have a bidding board for Justin Fields. I, I I don't know. I, I just don't see how a playoff start for Daniel Jones with a mediocre at best offensive line and a paper thin receiving car and no Saquon Barkley. I don't know how that helps his development. I don't know how that helps the franchise more than a really good draft pick. Yeah. I mean, just not to be too negative on the giants, but it's like you go out there and it's like, and you go out there and get killed. You're not even going to remember what that game felt like. There's not even going to be anything to learn from it. It's just going to be, you got waxed and that's it. And then you're going to go on to the off season with a be no fans. So it's not even like a real playoff game. Yeah. So in again, terms it, of atmosphere, obviously it's a playoff game. And if it's a winner, go mm-hmm. home. But there's going to be no fans. It's not like it's going to be not, it's not going to be loud. So I don't yeah, know what it, is a playoff game, even for Tua or any of the rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks. What does a playoff game mean in terms of I've been here before for the future? I don't I don't know if that actually exists this year. I 100 percent agree with you. And I think it's it's a weird topic to bring up to Giants fans because I think they're also kind of split. But like you said, you're seeing living proof with Chase Young is an absolute force uh, on defense. And everybody mm-hmm. knew that. And they have Andrew Thomas. And I know you said you're not too, too happy with him. He could progress and be very good. But the Giants haven't had a serious edge rusher and a serious kind of uh, pass rusher since Strahan, Kiwanuka, Yuminyora, yeah. any of those guys. Uh, they, tried, they tried it with, with Olivia Vernon. And yeah. they exactly, they paid him a ton of money. But they haven't had that in a while, and you had an opportunity to do that and get Chase Young. All you need to do is lose to to the to the uh, Redskins last year, and everyone's like, "Oh, it's awesome! Daniel Jones did great." How is that Redskins win helping Daniel Jones right now? That's my question. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. There's there's a really funny South Park episode, Matt. It's they're playing. They're like in a baseball tournament, and if if you win, you play another baseball tournament. You know how it is. We all know how it is. Yeah. And mm-hmm. both teams wanted to lose in in the episode. Both teams wanted to lose because they wanted their summers back, right? They didn't want to play baseball anymore. <laughs> yeah. They wanted to have it. Uh, do you do you yeah. have you seen the episode or am I? Uh, are you? I, I've seen a little bit. Seen the episode? No, no, I, I've seen I've seen a little bit. Yes. Right. That's probably how the Giants and Cowboys are kind of thinking about this game. Because what good <laughs> is a playoff game for the Cowboys without Dak Prescott? So. Mm-hmm. You know, and in the episode, like the dads, of course, like want to win, want their kids to win so they can keep playing and move up into the next tournament. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. like the dads are kind of like the fans or or ownership or whatever it is. You want to go to the next round. But the fan base is like, no, we'd rather have our summer back. We'd rather have the draft pick. So I think it's going to be funny because one of those two teams is going to get a playoff game that's just going to be meaningless because Mm -hmm. I don't, I think the... Buccaneers, they're not perfect, but I definitely think that they're a lot better than what the Giants saw a couple months ago. And I think the Buccaneers are yeah. a much better team than they were a few months ago. So I don't I don't foresee an upset with whatever team faces them in wildcard weekend. Um in the NFC West, the Seahawks have clinched the division. And then there's the Rams and the Cardinals. They're gonna be playing for one of the wild cards. The Rams had a tough break, literally, with Goff's thumb, <laughs> and and that was mean. I shouldn't have said that. Um, but and then Arizona at eight and seven, trying to sneak their way in. I believe that I believe they're winning in. So what are we looking mm-hmm. for for those two teams? Which team has a better shot of making noise in the NFC playoffs? Should they make the playoffs? I mean, I, I just think Arizona with that offense is, is a lot better. And a lot more explosive, I think, can, can present a lot more damage. I mean, you like game planning for Kyler Murray is, is one of the hardest things to do. And I know their team success hasn't been as good as they would like. And obviously, I know they're sitting at like what eight and seven right now. 
but I still think that that's a more dangerous game because when he's hot, he's one of the best players and best quarterbacks on earth. So I think that would definitely be the scariest for me to try to game plan against. And that would be a scary team to face in the playoffs. And like you were saying with the Rams, that kind of just like totally screws up their team. I mean, just you, you could yeah. scheme with a new quarterback all you want, this, that, and the other, but they're, they're, I just, there's no way they're going to do anything in the playoffs. And, and it sucks that you made it this long. And I think this is exactly why we kind of prefaced earlier that it doesn't really make much sense for teams like the Bills and the Steelers and teams are already in to play guys because you're going to see once that quarterback goes or that star player goes, the season's basically over. There, there isn't going to be a Nick Foles savior situation here, not with the backup quarterbacks that they have in place. Also, is Goff that good? Are we start, we got to start like having the conversation. Like, is Goff really the guy in Los Angeles? Because he's really uh, hit and miss. Yeah, I think he, he is the guy for Sean McVay, and I think he is the guy for that system that they run. But I, I don't think his skill set is not is not something that can't be found in other quarterbacks and other potential yeah. draft eligible quarterbacks. So again, he he could be a guy who is on a short leash. He could be, or, or the, the, the Rams could be a team that do a uh, Jalen hurts like the Eagles did. And they draft a quarterback in the first or second round, because they're probably saying, Hey, listen, like golf's probably on the back end of his mega deal. Maybe we try to do something too. We've got to have a backup plan. I mean, they made the Super Bowl and they lost the Patriots that one year. It was a terrible Super Bowl. I think it was like nine to six, whatever the score was, whatever. So, yeah. And then they didn't make the playoffs last year. And then now they're nine and six, possibly could fall to nine and seven. It, it really hasn't worked. And you can say that Goff has been the one holding them back because everyone in football thinks McVay is like the next coming of Bill Belichick. So mm-hmm. interesting to see what the Rams do. Fighting with the Cardinals is the Bears. The Bears somehow still have a chance. I don't know exactly how they can get in. I think they need to win and Arizona needs to lose. Lose, yeah. But, you know, kind of like the Giants and kind of like the Giants and Dolphins like with their quarterback situation, what good is a Bears playoff game if you don't if you if Trubisky's not going to be the guy for you? Yeah, no, uh, I agree there too. I think Chicago's a team that would benefit obviously from a better draft pick and then drafting quarterback uh, in the in the first round, I think they realize that Trubisky's not the answer. They know that Foles isn't the answer. That was a nice little experiment there. And I think the only rationale to wanting really to win is to kind of make justify them trading for Khalil Mack and then obviously signing him. And outside of that, it, it really kind of it, it does it doesn't do anything. And I know a lot of like gung-ho we're gonna win at all cost fans are gonna be like that's so dumb that's so dumb but when you really break it down you look at the franchise and you look at the organization you look at long-term success when you look at it how we're looking at it i on i i want to say we're looking at it in the right way like what does it do all it does is it's just another argument talking point that you could use to your friends when you talk about whose team is better in previous years you say oh well we made the playoffs like for the Giants, all right, we made the playoffs at what six and ten, and then got smoked in the first round. Yeah, it doesn't do anything. And if the Same Giants make the, the playoffs, they have to they have to get a first place schedule next year. That's I I would rather I would not want that at all. Again, you're, even you're, though they won the division, they're not a first place team. I I, I agree. It's just you're you're seeing you look at the the Saints, you look at the Bucks, you look at the Packers. Are those teams the same caliber as the Bears, as the Giants? I would say no. So what do they mm-hmm. need to do to get to that caliber? They need better players. How do you get better players? Obviously, you can in free agency, but for the longer-term success, you got to draft well. Statistically, the earlier you draft, you're going to find better players. And I know a lot of people don't seem to think that, but I remember doing this big, long kind of little research project, and it basically said your chances of hitting on a quote-unquote franchise quarterback and all the all the uh, prerequisites of being a franchise quarterback were like playing the same team five years, Pro Bowl stuff like that. You're more likely to if you have a pick within the first one to five picks. That, that's just that's yeah. just how it's been in the past like twenty years or so. Obviously, there's a ton of duds out there, but it, it, that that those are kind of a little more outliers, stuff like that. So it, it would it, it wouldn't do anything for the franchise for twenty twenty one for really for them to to make the playoffs and then just lose in the first round. One final thing before we go, just kind of wanted to get this off my chest. Um, the Redskins, the Washington football team and the Eagles should not be on NBC. 
Like, <laughs> I don't know who's making those decisions, but you know, I guess it's because I, I guess it's because no matter what the Washington aspect to it, it's definitely going to matter by the time that game kicks off at eight o'clock. But the Rams Cardinals game is more enticing to me, in my opinion, to, you know, the casual football fan that doesn't want to see two bad teams play on Sunday night football. I don't know. What, were you, what was your kind of thought when yeah. you saw that the NBC gave the NFC East the late game? Yeah. Because the uh, Dolphins, Dolphins could have been in the running for that game too. And what was the last I, time? The I Dolphins thought so. Were in the oh my God. The last time was probably maybe 2016 and we got spanked by the Raiders or Panthers, I think, and Cam Newton was there. But yeah, I, I kind of, I, I was going through it and we talked about it a little bit and I was like, all right, who, who makes sense? And at first I was like, oh, Dallas and, and, and the Giants make sense. But then the competitive kind of advantage thing was like, oh, well, if Washington wins and it doesn't matter, no one's going to watch. So I understood that. Then I started to think about Miami and Buffalo. And I was like, honestly, I kind of thought that would have made a little more sense too. And Dolphins, like media and them on Twitter, they have this kind of ongoing joke and they always, they call it like best available in the NFC East. And they have like a little acronym for it. And the NFC East, in terms of the media, just has the craziest stronghold on uh, national television, it, yeah. I feel like, in all sports. Like, like, at all costs, the Giants or Cowboys will be on TV. Just at all costs. Or just anyone yeah. in this kind of Northeast region right now. Philadelphia, and it, it's so, yeah. It, it's Yankees, so weird. Red Sox like, will always have Sunday night. 100%. And it, it's very strange when you look at it. Like, hey, you have two beyond sub 500 teams you have a washington team with possibly out alex smith and then you have yeah eagles team they caught fire with hurts and that's a good kind of media talking point but they're out of the playoffs it doesn't matter to them so i really just i just didn't under i just didn't understand it and then you look at like you said what rams cardinals yeah yeah, so then you have, obviously, you have no golf, but you still have a Rams team who's fighting to make the playoffs or they're fighting for uh, whatever seating in there. And then you have a young transcendent quarterback, former rookie of the year, Kyler Murray. But the market must just not be there. I know it was kind of funny. Uh, my brother told me before I hopped on here saying that the Raiders and the Raiders and Dolphins game was like the most watched game for on NFL network for like the whole season. So I'm assuming that's just the, the most watched Thursday night game or, or whatever. Cause yeah. Thursday night and Saturday night, whatever it was. So I was kind of, kind of confused once I really thought about it. Like, yeah, maybe Miami Buffalo should have kind of earned that. I know a lot of eyes are on Flores and Fitz and two and stuff like that. Obviously I'm biased. I want them to be on TV, but it's just the, the NFC East and just how poor it is. And then with the records, there's just nothing there that excites me. It's it's weird because they make fun of it constantly, yet they'll put it mm-hmm. on NBC like all the time. Even like even the Browns Giants game, like the Giants don't need to be there. Uh, yeah, that's it. I don't know. Like they make fun of the NFC East and how bad it is, and they make memes out of it. But then the first chance you get, you have you you put Washington Philadelphia. Like if you really cared about exposing, you know, other players in other markets. Like this would be a perfect time to put Kyler Murray on NBC. Hundred percent, he has to win. Like, who's more yeah. entertaining? No offense to Jalen Hurts, but he's a baby and he's played two games, three games, mm-hmm. whatever it is. And no offense to whoever the Washington quarterback's going to be, but nobody cares. Even if it is Alex Smith, and it's a nice story because of what he went through and all that, but it's not guaranteed that he's going to play. NBC mm-hmm. knew that he was hurt, so they had a chance to put, you know, the first overall pick in a couple years ago's draft on prime time with a chance to lead his team to the playoffs. They didn't do it. Um, that was sad to me because I would have much rather seen um, Murray. I would have understood the Giants Cowboys if it was, if the game could have mattered by that point, if the Redskins won, like I, I get that because, you know, Dallas has this worldwide following and then the Giants yeah. are still New York, but if it's not going to be that game, then it should have been Arizona. Well, honestly, just, just thinking about it right now and, and kind of talking it, it, it makes sense now kind of a little more why you did Washington Philly because Dallas or the Giants are going to win. So you're essentially guaranteeing one of those two fan bases is going to be glued to that Sunday night game. So you're basically getting those fans without putting their team on. So maybe, but, maybe but how, tip fair, the cap. how fair is that for the executives at NBC to be like, we're going to try to cater 
to a fan base whose team isn't even playing in this time slot. Like that's not really that fair. I, mean, I, I agree. Maybe and maybe New it's York genius. Dallas market's going to drive up. I, I no doubt in my mind that the New yeah. York and Dallas market will drive up that broadcast more than the Philly and Washington markets will. But is that yeah. really fair? Is my question. I don't think it is. But they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of uh, course. But I think it's just they have a little kind of stronghold on the markets, and they know the fan bases. One of them has to win, and they're going to watch. So they're kind of. They're having their cake and eating it too, a little bit, you could say. That will just about do it. Big week 17. We're going to come back Huge. next week, and we're going to have so much to talk about. Um, there's going to be GMs fired. There's going to be coaches fired because of that Black Monday. We're going to talk about all the playoffs, and we're going to talk about, obviously, why the Dolphins and Giants made or missed the playoffs, and we're going to cover it all. Um, this is our last show for 2020, so Happy New Year. Hope everyone had a great holiday before and we'll be back in 2021. And Matt, I know that this year has been awful. So we're <laughs> yeah. happy that 2021 is coming and hopefully it's better for both Definitely. our football teams and for us personally. So any final thoughts on 2020? It's just been one crazy hectic year. I would just thank God for all, I'll get all the, 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 the frontline workers, all the healthcare workers, everybody in the hospitals, and then also just everyone in the NFL and in the MOB and NHL and NBA just giving us sports. Because without sports, it's just I am, am, am a person and a fan am nothing. There is nothing yes. I love more than sports. March through June was terrible. Like there was nothing yeah. to watch. Remember we were watching like Joe Buck call marble races going down a hill? Oh, my God. Oh my yeah. God. Terrible. But – all the leagues deserve all the credit in the world for getting their sports off the ground. Um, baseball did it. Um, football's done it. Uh, NBA has done it twice now. And then NHL is going to start out in the end of July, uh, January. Mm -hmm. I should say. So that'll just about do it. Everybody enjoy the week 17 games next week. We have a lot to talk about, including previewing, 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 I got previewing <laughs> wild card weekend. We finally make it, made it. The NFL season goes faster than any I of those you know it is the shortest of all the seasons but it's still you blink and it's over so yep. we will talk about all of it for matt farrar my name is glenn denier saying so long and we'll see you on wildcard week